the podcast for women in film and television. Hello and welcome to the WIFT Austin podcast, co-presented by WIFT US. I am Chantal James and today we will be chatting with a very special guest, costume designer Mona May. Mona's career exploded after her work in costume design for the 1990s teen comedy classic movie Clueless, a film that raised the status of fashion in film. Her work was proclaimed by the New York Times and Vogue magazine as being the fashion movie of the year, putting her on the map as a world-class costume designer. She has since worked in movies such as Never Been Kissed, The Wedding Singer, A Night at the Roxbury, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, 8mm, The Haunted Mansion, and Just Go With It. TV series she's worked on include Melrose Place, The Santa Clarita Diet, Grandfathered, and the reboot of Punky Brewster. She's had the privilege of working with A-list celebrities such as Demi Moore, Anna Faris, Jennifer Aniston, Eva Mendes, Nicolas Cage, Will Ferrell, and Eddie Murphy. Her work on the Walt Disney movie Enchanted earned her a nomination for a 2008 Costume Designers Guild Award for Excellence in Fantasy Film. Welcome, Mona. We're, we're so excited to have you here today. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. It's great to be here. Always happy to talk to women in film and television. You know, it feels like we have to support each other. So this is awesome. Uh, very happy to be here this morning. A hundred percent. We're happy to have you. You have had really an amazing career. Um, I want to take it back to Clueless, mainly because that film had a huge impact on me and my age group. <laughs> the, the prep uh, plaid skirt, knee-high socks and platform Mary Janes was a teenage girl's wardrobe staple worldwide were you surprised by the impact that your designs had on a generation of teens definitely definitely you know it was a small movie for paramount we had an amazing director emmy heckling you know great script beautiful ingenue alicia silverstone and great you know great cast and we were doing our job you know we were just kind of you know having a lot of fun uh creating really really fun movie about you know girls in beverly hills who are high fashion and I think the most fun part was that really at the time when we were prepping the movie, everything on the street was grunge. You know, people were just wearing basically, you know, Kurt Cobain kind of looked with baggy jeans with rips and, you know, grandpa sweaters and oversized t-shirts, plaid shirts. So the film really was an idea to bring fashion back, to bring something very different that's that what was reflected, you know, at the time on the streets and our you know, main girls, Alicia Silverstone character, Cher, and Dion, played by Stacey Dash, had a lot of money. They could go to, you know, Paris runway shows and, you know, buy their clothes, whatever they wanted. And when we were, when we were discussing the film with, with Amy Heckling, the director, it was really about creating the fashion as a character, too. You know, so it really was part of the film. And even the way that we shot the film with the DP being amazing, DP Bill Pope, who's done a huge movie since then, you know, he really used the camera almost as a fashion camera. So you saw the detail, you know, you saw the shoes, you saw the full figured head to toe outfits, you know, you, you had close ups of the purse, you know, you saw the jewelry. So it was very different also the way that it was presented and that it was, I think, also something for, very fresh for the audience besides the fashion. And, you know, there was, there was not a huge budget film. I think it was about $25 million. I had not a huge budget for wardrobe. And the main character, Cher, had 60 changes. 
Yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot. That's a lot. lot. Yeah. You know, and I couldn't really buy everything designer. I had to be super ingenious in the way of like finding stuff in the thrift stores, you know, creating future that wasn't really out yet. So I was, you know, really mixing high and low. And, you know, the idea really was of girls in high school wearing, let's say, the plaid uh, uniform, but now taken to another level by share. which equals the yellow plaid suit you know that was kind of the share takes first day of school uh what do I wear you know to stand out and feel great so fun Uh, how did you how did you get started in costume design was it always your passion or did you discover the this talent by accident in some way by accident really I was a fashion designer you know always I was one of those little kids who drew the princesses you know had a whole collection of their dresses on the wall you know the pink one the black one whatever and the accessories and then I started dressing mom and all the friends and organizing their closets and you know (laughs) collecting purses and, and creating little you know later on doll outfits so I was always really into fashion into clothes into fabric I was born in India, so color was always kind of part of my life, you know. Yeah. Um, they're influenced by it. I think my work is also very influenced by it. Uh, so I went to fashion school in Europe. Then I came to New York. I ended up in Los Angeles at the Fashion Institute. And when I was in school here, I had, you know, friends in UCLA film school, USC film school, you know, you're hanging out, you know how it is. And some of those friends said, hey, you know, you're in fashion, we're doing your thesis films, can you help us? We need some clothes. Here's a script, read it and, you know, tell us what you can help us with. And I have to tell you from the moment, the first moment I like read this script, which, you know, there were probably short films, you know, 10 minute films, I was hooked because it was like creating a human, creating a character, you know, finding out who they are deeply inside, Yeah. you know, what, where they are in their socioeconomic place, you know, where do they go to school? You know, are they happy? Are they depressed? Who are they? You know, like what kind of journey are they on too? You know, do they, are they depressed and they become happy, you know, and to be able to show that through clothes, you know, creating the costumes, it was such a kind of incredible discovery for me you know it was way more than just creating fashion and cute skirts and you know maybe being on trend I've always been interested in psychology and I meditate I think maybe something you know again by being in India born there I have I have more of a you know kind of a spiritual band as well so that was really kind of it almost suited who I you know who I am who I was because it was so much more layers Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, it really does sound like a, a beautiful mesh of all the things that you're really interested in. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I think that um, the storytelling with clothes is so cool because when you really think of it, when, when an actor comes out on the screen and they don't have to say a word, and I think within 15 seconds or maybe even you know, quicker, you can tell who they are. They don't yeah. have to say their lines, you know? So the visual language and the nuances are so important. And I, I think to this day, that's like the best part, you know, like really being in the fittings and creating the character and, you know, figuring out how the clothes should be tight or, or loose or are they wrinkled or are they very, you know, uptight, buttoned up all the way. You know, what is it that make that particular actor fit the shoes, you know? And then that moment in a fitting when it's actually happening, you know, when it's like, ah, oh, ah, oh, 
you almost have like goosebumps on yes. your arm, you know, because it's like they, you know, that they, we found it. Yeah. The, Cause the collaboration just kind of locks in and you're like, that's it. That's, that's yeah, the character. They feel, it. they feel it. It's powerful. You know, we're like, Oh, I get it. This is it. This is who I am. So, you know, the power that as a costume designer that I can give to the actor, you know, mm-hmm. the tool for them to create that character and walk on set and feel hundred percent, you know, and then oh, 100%. Yeah. As an actor, like wearing the right shoes and like when you put on that outfit, it's like, you're, you're ready. You're You're ready. ready. You're ready. And you know, what's so cool too, that in the, in the process of, you know, since I'm speaking to filmmakers, which is great because you guys are all more informed about the process of the, you know, making films and television actors come to us quite early you know, in the preparation. So we start, you know, usually two months, sometimes three months, maybe even longer, like in case of Enchanted, because we have to make everything, you know, from scratch, from from sketching. But the usual prep time is between two and three months, you know, so they come to us very early. So we are kind of the first people that they meet after the director. So we really are kind of, you know, in the beginning stages of creating the character with them. And, you know, I'm very open to actors take on things because I think it's really important to include them you know sometimes egos can get in in in, you know in place and like you know but I think it's better and I think that filmmaking to me it's all about communicating yeah and it's collaborative you can't do it by yourself you can't so you know what is the idea of the director you know how number one I have to see what they think you know, in the case of Clueless, it was so cool because I mean, it was like, you know, I want this to be high fashion, I want, but also not taken from the runway literally, but mm-hmm. again, translated into the girls of high school age. So it didn't feel like slutty models running around, you know, the runway. Yeah. So finding really that authenticity, you know, it's such a word, I think, that gets so <laughs> overused these days. But I mean, mm-hmm. it really, truly is like how to find this authentic person that people can relate to and emulate maybe in some ways like in Clueless, you know, that they can see themselves in it or they can see a journey that helps them in some way in their own journey in life. You know, I think that's what movie making is and what excites me about filmmaking. You know, there's always a story and I get, I think I'm very lucky because I do get to do a lot of movies about women Mm-hmm. You know, that journey of girls and, and what happens, who they were before and how they kind of transform. I mean, you, you look at, you know, Never Been Kissed, Romy and Michelle even, you know, I mean, Enchanted. I had just finished a movie um, called Mixtape for Netflix, which was about the coming of age of a young girl, you know, kind of finding herself. And that excites me because I think that's something that we need as women. You know, we need yeah. these characters. We need the emotional kind of uh, breakthrough that we all want to see in the end, you know, may it be happy ending or not, but just something that we go through, you know, yeah. and how do we deal with that? Yeah, so, absolutely. So getting to do that a lot in my career, I feel very lucky because, you know, dressing women is not easy. I mean, men, actors, anyone, but I think women, especially because we are, we have, there's so many stereotypes and especially mm-hmm. in our industry, you have to be a certain size, the age, you know, oh my God, your neck is starting to go or, you know, the pressure of having to have injectables or, you know, whatever all it is. And it's yeah. all of that. It's intense, you know, and what I find as a costume designer, I love creating this kind of safe atmosphere, be it with young girls. I've done a lot of Disney Channel stuff in the day, you know, working with 11, 12, 13 year old girls who are just developing, who are told, you know, you you shouldn't eat. Oh God. You know, and how do you, 
Right. And, but how do you now celebrate? So, you know, in my space as a costume designer, I create this very safe space. You know, I teach them. Yeah. It's okay to have a different kind of bodies. It's okay to show a little bit. You not always have to be, you know, celebrate you. And I think times have changed. I think it's better mm-hmm. because I think now we are more embracing the individuality, be it in sexuality, being it, you know, skin tone. But I think as women, we still struggle a little bit because there is a, that pressure, you know, it's that old playboy look or oh, whatever no, that is. I know. And these women are so, young girls are so lucky to have a role model like you who is encouraging all of this. I mean, I, I'm very blessed in that way. And, you know, I cherish that. And I think in, in the fitting, you know, I want to make sure that when I'm creating the character, I also don't impose Yeah. that it is really a working relationship, that we find that place, that it's safe, that it's comfortable, that feels good. And then from there, we can really create something that has a meaning to them, I think. And that is that authentic thing that you see on screen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you start in the process? Uh, you're given a script. How, like, where, what is your, like, process? Yeah, of course. So, you know, meet the director. I mean, mm-hmm. always, you know, first you have the meeting, you have the job, you know, there's some kind of kind of connection that you have to have, I think, creative connection, or you see the vision in a similar ways, or, you know, there's a similar language or something. I mean, at this point in my career, it's really, that's really important. You know, sometimes in the beginning, you just have to take jobs to, mm-hmm. to grow your resume and stuff like this. Now I really look for the people that I can connect you know, that also have some kind of a vision of, you know, that means something to me. Yeah. And Um, are you able to kind of pick and choose now with your work? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's wonderful. wonderful. And, you know, just always staying busy. I love my work. It's that's my jam kind of, you know, I don't really have kids. I don't, you know, I travel. That's kind of what I do, creativity and giving that gift that I have back and you yeah. know, now teaching now doing podcasts now you know mentoring but the process back to, the, to your question yeah it's you know meeting the director getting the overall kind of feel what they see how they see the pictures you know colors textures journey of the character emotional journey of the of each of the characters you know because you know some directors are not just like any heckling who is totally into fashion and you know where we're coming together with the same tear sheets you know, some directors are men and maybe they don't understand fashion. They don't really know what A-line skirt is. So I have to educate a little bit. Mm-hmm. What I'd love to do is do big boards. Sometimes I have to do them digitally if they away, you know, somewhere in another country, another state. But a lot of times if I'm in the same city, I actually do big physical boards, like on foam core. I love it because it's like, there's nothing better to me. Maybe I'm so old school that I'm looking at something with mm. my eyes, you know, and yeah touching fabric and touching textures and I have a really hard time with zoom meetings because it's like you can't really see it yeah touch it you know and maybe that yellow that they're showing me it's a different yellow on my screen than the on their screen Mm -hmm. being being in a room as an artist I think and feeling the energy of the room and feeling kind of having that conversation and you know on zoom it's like oh you don't want to step on somebody's words or you know it's just it's not free flowing so I love being in the room. I love having these physical boards where, you know, there's like collages and textures and mood and, you know, not always fashion. It could be paintings. It could be music. It could be anything. And then I get the feedback from them because you, you want them on the same page. You know, it's really important. Like you said, communication, 
you know, time is scarce these days, money is scarce these days. So you can't make these mistakes when you're going on and prepping and then mm-hmm. you have to, you know, 180 degree change, you know, that will still happen. Yeah. Because shit changes all the time. But yes, <laughs> I think, you know, being on the same page early is really important for me because we do spend money. You know, we do start prep earlier than any other department. So the communication, you know, then I call the actor and I'm like, hey, you know, how are you? What's going on? So excited to have you on board. You know, let's get together. Yeah. Let's sit down and talk. And, you know, they sometimes have tear sheets. You know, we, we go over the script, where in the script something would happened or you know, maybe there's a very pivotal scenes where vulnerable scenes or whatever they are, you know, what would they feel they would want to wear or maybe how much would they want to expose of their skin or not, you know, so all of that little things are very, very important because then when I go out and shop, I can bring the right things. Mm-hmm. So, so much detail that goes in. Goes so in. much details. Oh my God. And then you have jewelry and then you have shoes and then you have yes. undergarments and then you have da, 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 da. <laughs> and then imagine like when you have a movie like Who's Where 60 Changes. Mm-hmm. I'm not involved as much day-to-day on set. I come to mm-hmm. set when we establish new costumes, but I have a whole team, you know, set people who are who take care of continuity, who, you know, set up the rooms for actors. We fats with the jewelry. We make sure everything is good, untucked, tucked in, you know, whatever, tighter, jacket on, roll up sleeves. So all the little tiny details just before they walk, you know, on the set. Yeah, Like I'm doing the next movies with Liam Neeson uh, in Berlin. I have to have multiples because of course he's in the car with a car bomb under the seat and I have to have funny suits. <laughs> <laughs> I love, listen, I never do movies that take place in one day. Yeah, yeah, so it seems. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a crazy job. I mean, you know, we all know in our business, the hours are intense, you know? Yeah. So it is that kind of a life. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm preaching to the to the choir. In a yeah, no, a hundred percent. You know, when we when we work, we work, and it's crazy. And then we have a little bit of downtime, and then we do it all again. I mean, I think it's like childbirth. You must forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because you because then you say yes again. <laughs> you go again. It's like, oh my god, why did I do it? What am I doing? You know, and uh, I love it. I don't know what, I, what else I could do. I mean, I, I think I could be a teacher. I love teaching. I love sharing. I could definitely yeah. do that. Yeah, because you, you have stepped into more of a mentorship role. I know that you lecture at Otis Parsons FIDM and, and Pasadena Art Center. Have you always kind of seen yourself as, as a mentor? or? Yes, always, always. I mean, I think that it's my, my kind of personality. You know, I love helping young people. I always think of myself, you know, when I was young and, you know, I wished I had a mentor. I didn't. I made a lot of different crazy mistakes, you know, like putting a white shirt without tacking it on the, on the, on the actor, you know, because DP hate bright white and, you know, mm-hmm. I screamed at, yes, yes. You know, sad, like <laughs> never did that again, which somebody told me, you know, but, uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I think my assistants, young assistants, you know, I always just feel I, you know, I like to support them. I like to explain. I like to teach. So, so they kind of learning at the process, you know, my unique process. Everybody else's process is different. And, uh, you know, bump up assistance to, to high positions. When I did the TV show, Clueless TV show, I was on as a designer the first season. And then the second season, I stepped away and became a consultant and gave my assistant costume designer, you know, the, the bump to designers. So I think it's important. You know, it's like, again, helping women. You know, a lot yes. of a lot of assistants of mine are women, you know, helping women, giving kind of them the confidence and that they who they are as artists is okay. 
it's okay to be different than me. It's okay yes. to be you. It's you that you need to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Your authenticity, like we mentioned yeah. before, that yeah, is- and uniqueness. Because let's say you did clueless would be maybe as cool as mine, just different. Yes. And I think that you know, in the day, the, the age of Google and all that stuff, that you know, everybody's kind of the fashion is getting so global. Everything is becoming homogenized. You know, it's the every mall, the gap, the thing, and the, you know, it's mm-hmm. like oh. As humans and artists, I think we have to kind of hold on to that weirdness, hold mm-hmm. on to that, you know, uniqueness and strangeness that sometimes, you know, people say, oh, you shouldn't be like that or, you know, but maybe that actually is what makes you different and cool. So that's what I try to kind of cultivate when I mentor. And, and you know, a lot of times the young people are not really taught that. They kind of, you know, when you go to fashion school or fashion design school, you learn the ABCs, but not really how to cultivate your own unique part. Mm-hmm. And that's a really important skill set to have. I think for all of us, you know, I think as artists, because it's, that's what really sets you apart from others. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how you get chosen. You know, when I choose a system, I look at the ones that have the coolest portfolios and kind of put their time and work into it and make cool collages. Or I probably would not hire somebody with a bad copy of a sketch. You know, you have to care enough about this art, this process to go the extra mile. Yeah, definitely. So um, 1990, you were an assistant director on the film Spaced Invaders, which I think was your first movie credit. How, uh, yes. describe, how did you land this job? It was a friend of mine who was a costume designer. We knew each other and uh, I was trying to get into the union because it's really important as everybody knows in the business, yeah. you gotta, you know, I mean, when you're starting, you know, getting into the, the higher level, you have to be union. Yeah. So, you know, I was looking for the non-union movies going union. That was one of them. It actually didn't go union. <laughs> uh, so I had to wait a little longer, but another movie that I assisted on did. You know, I'm this kind of artist that I've always wanted to be a designer. I never really wanted to assist you know, it was a good experience. It got me into the union, but I was, you know, I was on my path. Yeah. I was really yeah. on my path, you know. And some people are like the different people have different journeys. I mean, a lot of some designers I know, you know, they were on set and they did assisting. They did all kinds of parts of the department. I think maybe because of my fashion design, you know, background, I always was designing. Mm-hmm. Talk to me uh, about Stuart Little too. <laughs> You designed an entire wardrobe for a four-inch digital mouse. How does that process work? <laughs> How do you um, create costumes for animated characters? Well, you know, again, I didn't really know before I got the job, yeah. but I was clever enough that when I went for the interview, I drew Stuart. In the first movie, he wore like a bow tie and a suit. And, you know, I think they were trying to make sure that people believe that he could be mouse living with humans, you know. And I was like, you know what? We need to give him a makeover. So when I walked into the meeting with Rob Minkoff, now a good friend, we've done a bunch of movies together. I had Stuart in a suit, a Prada suit. I had Stuart in a skateboarding outfit. I had, I had uh, him in like a school outfit, you know. I'm like, hey, if I'm going to do this, I'll, I'll put him like, you know, he just goes shopping at the Mouse Gap. <laughs> And that's what got me the film. They were like, wow, this is so different. We didn't even think about this. This is so cool. So fun. And it was a great experience. You know, from that, I was able to get Enchanted because Enchanted was also a multi-medium type of film, which was 2D animation that characters, you know, were 
kind of flat 2D animated characters that now jumped into our world and became human beings, you know, live action characters. So I had to design the costumes in 2D animation and then live action. And in the case of um, Narissa, the queen of the the evil queen, she even went from 2D animation to live action to a CGI dragon. So three different mediums to work with, you know, which was awesome. And that was a great experience because, you know, I got to kind of reinvent these iconic characters, you know, the princess and the evil queen. And again, why I got the job, I went off on the limb and I said to the director, Kevin Lee, my amazing director of Enchanted, I said, you know, what if Queen Larissa, and she's the evil queen of all the worlds, you know, she goes to Paris to the runway shows and just kind of sees her fashion and within the world of Disney, because I couldn't really change too much because she still has to have a certain elements of the high color and mm-hmm. stuff, but I changed it enough and I proposed something very different that again, got me the second meeting, you know? So it's like, you know, just really, I think it's important to all of us to know that sometimes we have to put ourselves on a limb, you know, creative limb. I mean, you're going to get it or not. It may be the hit or miss. Yeah. But there was a lot of big designers with Oscar winners that went for the job and I, I got the job. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. That's got to feel good when you yeah. do like take a leap of faith with uh, pit, like your pitch and then it works out. Yeah. 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 Not always, you know, sometimes yeah. it's not, but I try to also have backup <laughs> a little yes. bit of, you know, <laughs> well, maybe a little more traditional. <laughs> and here's a, uh, here's it pilled back a little bit. <laughs> But, you know, I think it's great when you actually meet the people you connect with. You know, I mean, I've worked with Amy Heckling many times. I've worked repeatedly with Drew Barrymore. I've worked repeatedly with Alicia Silverstone. You know, it's great to have that kind of language and, and shortcut because they trust you. You know, yes. that's one of like, I mean, I was doing um, a movie, Florin Ulysses, last, I think, 2019. And Alison Hannigan was cast as the mom. And we did together uh, the last American Pie. And she was like, oh, my God, I'm so happy you are doing the movie. I don't have to worry. Uh, <laughs> what has been your favorite project to work on to date? I don't know. That's a, that's Too many. A, I ask a lot. And it's like, how do you tell which is your favorite child? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I'll always be known for Clueless and the yellow suit and the boas. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that would be, you know, I always say on my grave, I should have a pink boa. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm very proud of Enchanted. Because yeah. it was something that I really designed and everything was made. I was on the project prepping for seven months. And I just, you know, feel really proud how beautiful that, that the costumes are. You know, I love the color. I kind of love the exuberance of my expression. And I, I feel like that when people do watch my movies, there's some kind of reaction to it, you know, that's positive. Are there any, like, directors that you want to work with that you haven't had a chance yet or any goals that you, you see for, the, for your future that you want to achieve? You know, I do, but I feel like the, the right people will come. Yeah. You know, I think the right people are, will be interested in my type of expression. Sometimes it really is also about personality. You know, you come into the room and it's like sometimes it's just not the right personality for each other. You know, so finding the kindred spirit, that is, I think, the, the greatest kind of wish for me because that's where I feel the most happy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. While filming The Haunted Mansion, you created a glow that could be photographed in both live action and CG. Talk to me about how this came about and how it helped production. Well, that was so cool because I was with Rob Minkoff, who I did Stuart Little already. 
So a lot of trust there. And um, when the idea came to, for the part of the film when they go to the graveyard and they're ghosts, I came across this process, which is glow technique that you, you can use that's actually, it's called scotch light. So it's on your tennis shoes, you know, the strips that glow or oh, yeah. road lines. But what it is, it's made by 3M and it's actually a powder microscopic glass beads. So I had this idea of mixing it with paint and applying it onto the costumes. We didn't know if it's going to work. Yeah. I had a trusting director in a studio. So we had the time, you know, again, longer prep because we were making things to do the research and development. And uh, we did some prototype and it was quite amazing. So what I did, I mixed it with paint, you know, applied it, like outlined the costumes and DP filmed it. The camera actually had to have a ring of light around the lens, mm-hmm. reflect the glow right back. Like, you know, when you're driving by the, by the road sign and it reflects when you just hit it. Yeah. I mean, it was hard to do to actually create because we had to paint it in the daylight, turn the lights off, take a flashlight and see what you're doing. But it turned out to be beautiful effect. And then the CG people took and kind of broke it down again, you know, so it was truly outwardly and it was so much fun. And, Again, it's like that learning process. It's something that you can have a safe space, you know, and money and time to do. It was really great. It was really fun. How does an aspiring young designer get into the business today? What would uh, your advice be? Well, number one, they have to really be passionate about what they do. Hopefully they've had enough like idea what that job is. You know, it's not just like going in your pretty heels and pointing at things. Yeah, it's hard work. <laughs> hard work. I think yeah. you have to, you know, um, roll up your sleeve and have your tennis shoes on and comfy clothes in the beginning. I think the best way is really to intern. Mm-hmm. I think that that really is seeking out the designers you love, maybe love their work, reaching out, you know, DMing. I mean, I have a lot of people DMing me and certain things, certain people are so persistent, I give in and I actually, you know, uh, create something for them. You know, you can assist me like on a personal level. So you can be my assistant where you see me working in my studio, maybe not necessarily go to the lot. I think communicating with the designers you love and hoping to get somewhere with that through your school or otherwise. People connect with me via my website as well. Uh, Writing articles about, I mean, sometimes there's a trick you can say, I'm writing an article about from my paper. And, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I do speak to a lot of students in school. You know, and then hoping to get a position like a PA position, because then as a PA, you're paid in non-union. Mm-hmm. You're on and you're on set and you're seeing and what's going you're on. on. Maybe not on set, but you are part of the team. So you're yes. doing the turns and you're picking up, you know how everything mm-hmm. works, you know the different positions, you're learning about the, the wardrobe department and maybe finding out where do you fit best. Yeah. Maybe you're a best shopper, maybe you're assistant costume designer because you know about tailoring and you know about fabrics. Or you really love being on set and really taking the continuity and you like the process of being on set, finding that out and finding your best niche for you. Because the, the last thing you want is, you know, working in the, in the position where you hate it mm-hmm. and hum, coming to, to work grumpy and all that stuff. You know, you have to really be there. Uh, so I would say those are probably the best ways. And I think the other thing is creating what you have as a, as a designer on your website or on your Instagram, you know, doing little films, creating your fashion, whatever it is, because I also look at that. So when I hire people, I want to see what they are about. Yeah. I think developing your own skills and art and being able to show it 
is really important because I could be very excited about some, oh, this is cute, oh, she made this, or this is a collage, doesn't have to be like a, you know, sewn suit, but what is it about that? Well, it's a visual industry, so you you need to be able to show what it is you Yeah, you know, what are they good at? Oh, they have a great sense of color. Oh, that's really going to work for me. And then you have to, and then you have to show up. You have to be there on time. You have to dress properly. You have to, you know, maybe bring me coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you have to talk to people. Yeah, you're not going to just be a designer, you know. Yeah. And I think there is a lot of expectations of that out there. So I think you have to put your time in the sense of of learning, you know, and do your own projects. I mean. You know, I did the little movies. I did little 15 minutes, you know, thesis film, whatever it is. Or, I mean, you could even create your own movies because then whoever hires you, they know who you are as an artist, you know, what you can bring to the table. Um, Yeah, that's really good advice. So this is a fun question. If there was a movie made about your life, who would play you? Would it be a comedy, action, drama? All of it. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what life is. Oh, comedy, it's live action, it's drama, there's everything in there. You know, there's tears, there's laughter, there's dancing. Yes. Love. <laughs> Who tiny? Oh my God. Marilyn Monroe. Baby. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, maybe with this little stronger voice. <laughs> <laughs> just like drop it, drop an octave and yeah. But I just love yeah. her, you know, kind of sexuality mm-hmm. and fun and voluptuousness. It's all about that for me. You know, I yeah. think as a woman, I'm myself curvy and I I think that it's so beautiful and I think women should really embrace that, you know, yes. all, all, all their stuff. So to me that would be really fun and yeah. Uh, yeah. How can listeners follow your career? Are you on you are yeah. on social media? Yeah. yeah. I'm on Instagram. What's... So at it's Mona May, I-T-S-M-O-N-A-M-A-Y, at it's Mona May. Uh, and I do a lot of fun stuff there. I used to do these Mona May minutes on Mondays, but I just got so busy. I gotta get back to it. But I, I do post a lot, you know, a lot of the articles and different fun things, some inspirations, pictures of my dog, of course, that I love so much. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, my website is great, too. I think for any young, inspiring listeners, monamay.com, you see a lot of process. You know, you can see some of the sketches for Stuart Little and the Enchanted stuff. You know, so it's really kind of, it's more in-depth kind of look into my work uh, on my website, which is really cool. It's, you know, I, I advise everybody to have a website still, even though some people don't. But I feel like Instagram is just, can take you only as far. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do very much recommend listeners to check out your website because it is very detailed and you've got such a large body of work. And, you know, if I was an aspiring designer, I would want to be able to see that. So Yeah, yeah. And it's beautiful. And it's not just on your phone. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It makes you see details. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Mona. It has been such a pleasure chatting with you. Oh, thank you for having me. And I hope uh, everybody will enjoy it, the little chat that we had. And good luck to everyone. All the best. And uh, till next time. Yeah, thank you. And and thank you for the listeners uh, for joining us. This is WIFT Austin podcast, co-presented by WIFT US. I am Chantal James, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Movie Reviews. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Summer, and I am back with another movie review, except in this episode, we're going to go back in time. 
1989. That rhymes. I love it. Oh, my God. The movie that we're going to be talking about today is called Heathers. I'm sure a lot of you have seen it. This is my first time. It was very highly suggested and recommended to me from a bunch of people to watch it. And I'll just say, first of all, I've never been on an emotional roller coaster with a movie as much as this film made me feel, if that makes any sense at all. So if you haven't seen the film, the little synopsis that it says on IMDb, and I'm reading this, at Westburg Hive, where cliques rule, jocks dominate, and all the popular girls are named Heather, it's going to take a Veronica and mysterious kid to give teen angst a body count. Obviously, I know what the word body count means. I've watched a lot of horror films, but I didn't know that this was a horror, well, like a murderous comedy thriller movie until I watched it. I don't like to look at trivia or a whole bunch of information about movies until after, just because I feel like it spoils the movie. The film stars Winona Ryder, Shannon Doherty, Lee Sand Falk, Kim Walker, and Christian Slater. I'm a Winona Ryder stan, okay? She is one person that I absolutely love, and I love everything that I've seen her in. Her kicking ass and taking names was... The best part of this film. (laughs) The best part. I noticed right off the bat that each of the three Heathers and Veronica have like a color scheme that they wear. So Heather number one is always wearing red. Red is a very bold color. It could mean for stands of power, passion, sexy, but I don't think that's what she was trying to go for. Mainly power. And also villain. So Heather number one's color was red. The second Heather wears a lot of yellow um, or goldish yellow. And the third Heather wears a lot of green. And then Veronica, I noticed, wore a lot of blue and black. I kind of liked that they all had their own kind of style. Yes, the Heathers were very much the same. But they, you can definitely distinguish who was who. I really liked that. There's a lot of lingo in this movie that I had never heard of before. Granted, I was born in 1997. I also, as an almost 24-year-old, do not keep up with the times and the lingo that uh, Generation Z and millennials come up with every single day. Um If you don't know, it'll be very equals. It'll be awesome. I looked this up, by the way. I did a Google search. Such a pillowcase equals someone who is very ditzy. So that was for Heather number three. Uh, There were some other ones, but those were the two that stood out the most. One thing I will say that, yes, I love this movie. But one thing that kind of turned me off at first was... As soon as I saw Martha, who plays the plus-size fat character in this movie, I'm like, well, they're going to bully her because this is the 80s, and this is just what happens in every film. And, of course, they did. Also, the gay slurs getting thrown around left and right, I was just kind of like, okay, 
Okay, okay, we can we can stop now. It's just enough. It's like that whole trope of the fat characters being lonely and desperate and being picked on. And if you're not a jock and you're not having the most sex in high school, then you must be gay. I'm just kind of tired of that whole thing. So I wasn't really fond of that, but I did really like the film. Like, yes, that turned me off, but I swear to you, I did really like the film. Oh my gosh. The phrase that Heather number one says, I'm not going to say the word. F me gently with a chainsaw. My friends and I have been saying that for years and I didn't know until I watched this movie that this is what that was from. So I laughed and cried hearing that. There's a lot of comedic parts in this movie that I thoroughly enjoyed. One being Heather number two fixing her hair in the holy water just sent me into orbit. I thought that was the greatest and most popular thing you could ever do. Of course, I wasn't alive in the 80s, but from what I've seen from 80s movies, this is perfect satire for what high school was like back then. And if you want to watch Renona Ryder kick some serious ass, or you want to go on an emotional roller coaster like I did, I highly recommend this film. You can watch it on Hulu and Amazon Prime. Bye, friends. Entertainment News. This is Kelly Coffey bringing you some entertainment news. The 2021 Bentonville Film Festival, being held August 2nd through 8th, has announced its current lineup, and the program promises to be inclusive and diverse, with 71% of titles directed by women. They also boast that 75% of the films are by Black, Indigenous people of color, or Asian Americans, Pacific Islanders, and 33% are by people of the LGBTQIA community. As for representation on screen, 87% of the film features a female lead and 81% feature a black indigenous person of color or an Asian American Pacific Islander lead. The festival, founded by actress Gina Davis, who also serves as chair, will combine virtual and in-person activities, including a 30th anniversary drive-in screening of Thelma and Louise. Last year's 2020 virtual festival had the unique opportunity to expand their audience with more than 30,000 virtual attendees. Lena Waits, Hillman Grad Productions and Endeavor Content are collaborating to produce a documentary about Mary Tyler Moore titled Being Mary, the Mary Tyler Moore Documentary. The project will mark the first authorized biography of Moore who died in 2017 at the age of 80. Endeavor Content, who acquired project rights for the Mary Tyler Moore estate, will also trace Moore's story as a trailblazer both on screen and off. Moore is best known for the iconic Mary Tyler Moore Show, a comedy that aired from 1970 to 1977 and saw Mary as an independent associate producer at a local news station with her bestie Rhoda. The project plans for a 2022 release. Producer Waite's other credits include Masters of None, The Shy, Westworld, Queen and Slim, as well as Boomerang and Twenties. And finally, Warner Brothers Pictures has acquired worldwide rights to Megan Park's feature directorial debut, The Fallout. Winner of a Grand Jury and Audience Award at the South by Southwest Festival, The Fallout tells the story of a teenage girl struggling to heal in the aftermath of a school shooting. The drama, co-starring Jenny Ortega and Madley Ziegler, will be released exclusively on HBO Max or distributed by Warner Brother Pictures in markets where HBO Max is not available. 
Carolyn Blackwood, Chief Operating Officer of Warner Brothers Pictures Group, said, Megan Park has created with the fallout is a sensitive and moving story marking a stunning debut behind the camera. And that's it for entertainment news. Until next time. This episode of the WIFT Austin podcast was produced by Kelly Coffey and Chantel James. Our editors are Shannon Steffen and Valerie Torres. Summer Hart is our movie review critic. You can find us on the web at WIFTAustin.com and on social media at WIFTAustin. Thanks for listening, everybody. 